Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, and we're going hard and heavy here like our intro music with uh, with Git. Git for ops people. If you're an operations person and you're unfamiliar with Git, although you keep seeing it pop up in your life, well, this is your show. We're going to go over the basics of Git today with our guest, Damian Garros. Now, Ned, what did uh, what did Damian say that grabbed your attention in this show? <laughs> he said a lot. This is, this is a packed episode, no doubt. The things that stuck out to me is one, Git is about collaboration. Yes, it does version control, but really collaboration is the key. And we we seem to stress that throughout the episode and in Damien's examples that he's giving. I think the other thing that kept coming up for me is Git is really good at text files. And that seems like an esoteric point, but we do kind of dig into that a little bit as well. So those are the things that jumped out to me. What about you, Ethan? Well, collaboration was a was a biggie, but then uh, also towards the end of the show, we kind of walk through the the workflow. What's it look like if Git is a part of your infrastructure as code world? How do you interact with it? What sort of processes that you might have done manually does Git replace? And Damien spells all that out and, and really brings it all together. So I hope you make it through this show. From beginning to end, you will learn a lot. And now enjoy this conversation with Damien Garros. Day Two Cloud welcomes Damien Garros, managing director of Network to Code. Damien, uh, we, we, I've, I've known you for a few years. It's uh, it's nice to have you on the show here to talk to us today about Git, introducing Git to operations people because it is it is a big mystery to some of us who aren't really developer types to begin looking at Git and all these terms get thrown around and it seems like oh we're all supposed to know exactly how this works and then you start trying to use it and you go. Okay, I'm a little lost here. But one of the things I thought was interesting, Damien, because you've done a few presentations on this topic, as I was digging through one of your decks, collaboration is the word that comes up. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought Git was about version control, but you're emphasizing collaboration. So can you enlighten us why when we think of Git, we should be thinking about collaboration? Why is that the most important thing? Because I can argue with you, honestly. Collaboration, that means to me managing by committee and I've got work to do. Wait a minute, what is this all about? Help us out here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for for having me. I love talking about uh, Git. So... So basically, just to talk about the basic, uh, the basics like uh, Git is a version control system. So it's really a, a system that has been designed to, you know, track changes that are made mostly in files, text files, and you know, it's it's been actually Git is not the first version control system. Like there's a few of them that existed before uh, Git uh, that were used like uh, subversions and CVS, and and those were historically mostly used for. Uh, you know, tracking code. That's why it's often Git is associated with a, a developer uh, background. Now, for me, what's really made Git, you know, better than the other is this notion that Git is designed to be distributed. And it's, it's um, and the way, and, and, I, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about it, but basically uh, when company like GitHub started putting, you know, a service and a website around Git, they created this idea that uh, I could start a project and I could open up this project for anybody to collaborate without losing control of this project. And and for me, that's when you look at it. Actually, that's probably what uh, what was a really big you know uh, factor in in the, the success of all those open source projects, and why now we can have like project with thousands of contributors without losing the core and the quality of the code is because Git and GitHub or those systems provide that. Meaning, uh, for example, if I start a project on Git, uh, 
you, Ethan, you can uh, go on, on GitHub and you can say, oh, I like what Damien is, is doing here, but I think, you know, he's missing some information on, um, you know, something related to my project. So let's say, uh, uh, for example, one of my uh, coworker, uh, Ken Salanz, I started this project to list on GitHub all uh, the most interesting project around network automation that he uh, that he found. And so he started this project, put that into a, a page. And then I think he had, um, I actually took the, the number, like 30 or so people that contributed to that. And 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 Git basically give this 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 uh, process, provide this process to be able to uh, in, in review and integrate external collaboration without losing that. Maybe I'm already going too far and, and we can... Well, um, you've made a couple of points here that I think are important. So one is... When I'm using Git, it's not merely about version control, although that certainly is uh, a core of it. It's that you can do that in the public eye, and that gives you the ability to collaborate with other people. As you said, someone comes along and says, Damien codes, Damien's code, it's terrible, and uh, I, want, <laughs> I want to do something else <laughs> than that. And uh, now you've got a way that that person can easily share and correct your horrible code. I, okay, I'm just kidding. But 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 that's the idea. You've got this opportunity to to share it all. But there is some disambiguation I think would be important because one is Git and then the other is GitHub and you've mentioned those both, but I don't, I mean, are, are those the same thing in your mind? Cause I, I don't think they are really, are they? No, they're not. Yeah, definitely not. So Git is, um, is, I mean, it's technically, um, a way so to keep track of changes on, on your local file. And it also has this protocol to be able to synchronize your local repository with the remote one. It has this distributed you know, notion as part of it. So when you have your, your local Git project, you have this notion of remote, and remote can be uh, GitHub. And, and so GitHub is a company which is really built on top of Git. So they are hosting Git repository. And, and they are adding um, a lot of features on top of it. Like, for example, uh, you can keep track of issues. So issues is something which would be like uh, issues is more of a conversation. It's like a, um, a, a proposal for a new change, or it can be a really uh, something that you detected. But basically, um, it's a conversation. It's really something that's proposed by GitHub, not by uh, Git itself. Uh, they also made it super easy to create uh, what we call pull request, which is basically a way to have changes going from uh, multiple branches or multiple repository. And I, I understand we're introducing a new concept here, but so pull request is technically something that is um, that's been introduced by GitHub uh, that is not specific to Git, and uh, there's few other uh, features like that. Okay, so Git okay. is the tool. Um, GitHub is a one is a repository that I can use that is a public uh, repository, and it is the one that uh, that so many of us think of because when we go out to open source projects, we probably land on GitHub in a GitHub repository. There, I can see the code, I can see uh, some documentation, uh, etc. But but Git is the tool. GitHub is the the place where all of the code I'm pushing around with Git. Uh, it's a place that it could live. Yeah, it's it's a place exactly like um, and uh, just to name you know uh, other alternatives you have GitLab. So GitLab is very similar to GitHub in uh, this sense. They're also hosting Git repository, and you can have like the public and the private versions. Uh, um, Bitbucket is also one on the uh, Atlassian suite. 
uh, and I'm sure you know there's there's way more that I'm uh, I'm not thinking about. But yeah, there there's a multitude of solutions to host Git repository. I'm curious because it seems like Git has kind of won the source control version control war when it comes to a, a prevailing standard. Um, I remember Microsoft had their own version, which was like Team Foundation was their source controller. Before that, it was called something source safe was the original name for it. And then it morphed a whole bunch of times. And they have pretty much abandoned that in favor of Git for their Azure DevOps platform. Is there any reason for me to learn about these other source control management solutions? Or should I really just focus all of my energy on learning Git? My opinion is honestly, yeah. Git is pretty much the only uh, the only you know solution that people are using nowadays. And okay. And, and back to what I was saying earlier, I think really this because the, the as far as I know, and I'm not expert in in the other one, but my understanding is that the other version control system didn't have this distributed notion. Like they had a way to keep track. But I remember when I started at Juniper, we were actually using I think those uh, CVS. And that was really hard to actually when we had multiple developers working on the same project to keep track of how the chains were, you know, um, impacting each other and all of that. And when we actually moved to Git, uh, the notion of Git, even in a single repo, but also because it has this distributed aspect, made it so much easier to be able to really keep track of, you know, how the chains were getting made into the repo, multiple people collaborating together. So, um for me, that's that's why you really you know took over the, the markets and nobody's talking about the other solution anymore. In my world, at least. Okay. You did mention GitLab in in passing as you know yet another kind of repository that I, sort of like GitHub. Uh, that, but GitLab is actually a little bit more to it, isn't there? GitHub and GitLabs are very very similar. Like uh, they really. Um, I mean, if you, even if you look at the UI and all of that, they, I'll say they mostly have the same fear set. Uh, for some time, GitLab actually had a very interesting um, addition. Is it was, it had, um, and I'm, I'm going to introduce a new terms, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. It has the notion of uh, CI pipeline built into it, uh, which was was very nice. But actually now GitHub uh, um, uh, has the same. So GitHub, GitLab, very, very, very similar in their uh, feature set. Okay. So I come from an ops and infrastructure type background. I'm not a developer. Don't claim to be. Um, but if I am thinking about using Git in my day-to-day, what sort of things am I going to be using it for? Because I'm not going to be writing the next great creation in Go or, or banging something out in C Sharp. That's it's not what I do. I, I deal with YAML and JSON all day. So like, what, what am I using Git or yeah no it's um i'm so anything that is in the form of a text files so you mentioned mm-hmm. variable files like camels or configuration files or anything that is can you can define as a text file technically uh will be very well you know uh managing to a git repo and then especially even if you're actually on your own just using Git as a way to keep track of the history of your files and have a way to go back if you forget something or something is, is already, I think, a big win. But it's even better if you have multiple uh, people collaborating on it. Then that's really like a, 
Uh, Git is really good that, for example, there's a lot of new documentation uh, formats now that are optimized for text files. So they, they create those new languages like Markdown. It's very popular mm-hmm. on GitHub, where you can basically create word-like documents from from purely text files and keep track of that in uh, in Git. Um, yeah, configuration files, variable files, um, any form of playbooks if you're doing automations goes extremely well. I mean, it's it's, it's designed for Git. Uh, and that's also why all those new tools like those Kubernetes and all of that, they end up having those text-based you know, input. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because the people put that in Git and, and collaborate on them. <laughs> Keep right. all my Kubernetes YAML up in Git somewhere. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new hit rap song. Didn't you hear yep. it? Keeping all my YAML in the Git. <laughs> is, there a, is there anything that I shouldn't be putting in source control and Git? Because, you know, you mentioned text files and, and those are great. But, the, you know, there are there's probably some information you shouldn't upload there. I know I have some in, in mind personally. But is, is there anything that comes to mind that probably sh- shouldn't be committed to Git? <laughs> Probably anything related to uh, credentials and security. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, as <laughs> feels like you're, <laughs> that's what you're fishing for. Uh, especially if you're, <laughs> specifically if you're, uh, if your repository is public. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of um, tools that are crawling GitHub all the time, searching for AWS or uh, GitHub uh, token and credentials. So um, if you have that online, um, yeah, don't do that. And um, but beyond all those obvious uh, security things, um, Git has the ability to save binary files, uh, and and there is these features. But personally, I think you know you, you lose a lot of the benefit of this version control. Like you can save these files, uh, but it's going to be really hard to actually keep track with precision on the changes. There's actually tools that let you do that and you can build some extension into it, but overall it's not what it's been designed for um, you know, initially. So anything okay. that's text, I'm still, I'm still going over this in my mind. So that could mean documentation. It, it could mean um, a how-to process. Um, it, it, then it's also infrastructure as code, as you were saying earlier, Damien. Playbooks and configuration files, anything that's text can be stored there and collaborated on and g- given version control. So, so here's kind of a, maybe an outlier case, but I could sit with a text editor like uh, VS Code and write documentation and markdown and just save it up to Git because code will let me uh, integrate with a GitHub repository. Yes, yeah. Actually, most uh, open source projects nowadays, they have both the code and the documentation as part of the same repository. Which makes a lot of sense because every time you make a change to the code or the project, you technically should also update the documentation to reflect that. Mm-hmm. And having both in the same workflow uh, make it you know easier to actually track and ensure and all of that. So, absolutely. Um, another one that we're seeing now is there's also, for example, um, uh, diagramming tools that let you build, for example, diagrams that have also adopted these text files inputs uh so for example there are tools like uh there's one that's really nice called draw the nets where you can define a full network diagrams in a text file and then you you take these files and you render that through this tool and you build a, a beautiful uh you know network topology uh there's actually a few of them that are doing that so that will be another things like keeping track of your instead of keeping track track of your changes in in visio 
you don't get as many features, but at least you get track traceability, you get the ability to collaborate. What's what's great with Git is again, as mentioned, is the the changes uh, give you an opportunity to discuss those changes. Like this notion of uh, the way anybody, of course, can can just push their changes, and that gets very messy very quickly. But uh, there's this notion of uh, what we call um, pull request and uh, branches. Is that a good time to start talking about that? Or what? yeah, I'm. Yeah. Do you want to expand a little bit more, Ethan, on some other uh, topic before we dive into the wacky, wonderful world of what actually goes into Git? Yeah, let's let's go into the uh, some some of the how-to stuff. I think we're getting, yeah, Damien, what we can use it for. Um, because the the answer is it, anything and everything. It doesn't have to be a, a bit of code. Anything with text can be can be stored up there. And I think for a lot of people, that is mind expanding. And as start as as soon as you begin thinking as an IT professional, what all in your life is governed by some bit of text or another? Then, you know, that's. Uh, again, like I said, mind expanding, then the ability to collaborate on it um, rather than <laughs> heaven help us throw it out on a SharePoint server, go look in SharePoint, find the thing. Oh, oh the graveyard of SharePoint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Like a gra> <laughs> But but so so okay so let's move on to this what it's like to work collaboratively in Git. You've mentioned pull requests and and a few things. So so Damien, let me actually even take a step out because I'm going to steal one of a slide from one of your presentations where you I, I, the way I look at it is it's like a life cycle of how you can work collaborative uh, collaboratively in Git. And there's um, five steps that I identify. Correct me if I got some of this wrong, but you can there's a process of uh, forking, changing something, pull. Uh, discussion and then merger, and if, if we were to draw that out, it would uh, it would kind of come full circle. Um, so may maybe we need to define these terms in the Git context and where they apply or don't apply when we're working within Git collaboratively and infrastructure as code and so on. And I'd like to start at the beginning with uh, well, what I'm identifying as the beginning as as fork. Uh, can you define that term for us? Yes, actually, this slide, I mean, the one you're talking, it's um, it's specifically about um, if you want to collaborate to a project uh, where you don't have permissions. Maybe mm -hmm. there's a couple ah. of things to define first. Like, uh, if you look at one Git repository, uh, it's usually uh, composed of multiple branches. And, and, and hopefully that we can get to this uh, this workflow that you discussed. But the, the idea usually uh, a branches uh, is um, so, and if we take usually there's this master branch, and the master branch is usually the branch where you have all the, you know, the final uh, versions, the current versions, and the, and the branch is composed of commits, multiple save uh, changes that we're making to the files. So, so the process. So let's, let's back out a second here. So, okay, you said branches and then multiple branches. So if I'm looking at a whole you know bunch of code that's in the form of branches, what what's that kind of, like? I got families of code, or I got so technically, you could push all your changes to your master branch and just push new commit. And that works well if you're alone. But as soon as you have multiple people, the recommended way is like, if you want to make a change, you create a new branch. And so, for example, let's say you and I collaborate on, uh, on, on this episode. And uh, I want to propose a, you know, a new section. So I will create a new branch. And I will call it like uh, Damien um, Questions. B, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I will make my change into this branch. And, and then at some point, I will be able to say, now I want to propose this 
this change to be integrated into the master branch. And the, the name of that is in the GitHub world is called a pull request. GitLab actually called that a merge request. So that's why it's not defined by Git. But this idea that's to take the change from one of my branch and make that in as part of the master branch or any branch huh? is this so pull request. So the, the master branch then is my official, this is what should reflect reality, this is the, the, the latest and greatest, um, a, a, but I don't want to mess with the master branch directly because that's like the golden copy, man, that's good. I don't want to go in there and just mess with things, So, but I have some ideas of how to maybe make it better. Okay, so I'm going to create a branch, I'm going to put my changes in there, we're going to collaborate, review my changes, and then at some point... Um, it, at some point that becomes part of the master branch. Does it, and and then you said pull and merge, depending on what tool I'm using, mean the same thing? So pull requests and merge requests mean the same things. Pull requests mm -hmm. is from GitHub, merge requests from GitLab. Okay. I'll suggest to use pull requests because it's, I think, the one that is used, you know, uh, by most people. But the idea is that I, 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 I create a new branch. Basically, at, at a point in time, I say now, I take what's in master and I create a new branch from it. Just I make my change in my, it's a copy kind of, yeah. except that Git has this ability to never duplicate. He actually always keep track of all of the changes. So when I create a branch, I actually don't copy things and I don't lose these abilities. It's not a, a real copy, but it's a, it is kind of a copy. Uh, and then I make my change in my branch. And then when I create the pull requests, is when I actually start the conversation. I'm like, hey, Hayton or, or Ned, you know, I, I'd love to have this question to the show. Uh, what do you think about it? And then we have this ability when we're doing that to actually discuss about it, review. You can ask me to change things. You're like, hey, you're, you're, you're for English. You know, you made a lot of uh, terrible mistakes in there. Please, can you make that proper English? And, you know, and, and we'll, we'll discuss. And, and when everybody agrees, then we can decide to merge my changes uh, into the, uh, the master branch. And at this time, you know, the master branch includes my changes. And, and what's beautiful is that we can have multiple of those conversations happening at the same time. Like if, if Ned also had some, some changes and you have some changes, we can all, from the same point, create our own branches. We can all work on our branch, on our changes individually, and we can have multiple requests at the same time. And the idea is that Git has, is, is beautiful that it, it will know that even though my change goes first and then Ned's goes first. Like when Ned's branch he proposed, like he doesn't have my change, for example, because you know, each one of our branches have their own individual changes. But okay, yeah. if we propose them all at the same time, like Ned change only has the previous version of master and his change and and, and Git knows how to bring everything into master without losing my change, for example, when we merge Ned's change. And that's mm. you know what's really great about Git is this ability to have a lot of changes going on. And as long as we're not editing the same line or the same file, Git will be able to uh, provide the final versions with our three changes uh, at the same, in master after the, the three pull requests and the three merges uh, you know, that went through. That really helps draw together uh, something that you said earlier when you were talking about how this is a distributed system but it's also collaborative. So the way that it's distributed is I as a developer can have my branch off of master and you can have your branch and Ethan has his and we're all working on our branches locally. And then when we want to merge that into the, the master branch, 
now Git has the ability to look at all the differences between the different branches and sort of, I guess, calculate that somehow uh, what needs to happen to get them all merged into the master. Well, what does it do if there's a if there's a conflict? Let's say I proposed a, a change that collides with a change that Ethan's proposing or, or something that's already been updated in master. How, how does Git handle those sorts of collisions? I mean, mine wins, obviously. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you're 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 spot on. Yeah, uh, Git will um, is usually work at uh, line by line, or uh, so we could actually collaborate on the same file as long as we're not touching the same lines. You will be able to understand mm. that, you know, we need to take your three lines and my my two lines and and put them you know together in the final file. If we're touching the same lines, uh, it will actually ask us like, hey, which one is more important? You know, if Ethan is not in the conversation, which one should we should we take? Uh, <laughs> and then actually, if you do that in CLI, it will usually mark this section, and there's some some workflow that you need to follow to uh, to fix the file yourself, and then put the final version in. Uh, GitHub and GitLab now they actually propose some very nice tools in the, in their UI to help you go through those conflicts. But yeah, in few cases, really, if if we really touch the same, of course, the the tool cannot decide for us. Mm, okay, so it's not fully automated. It gives you a, a framework for you to decide for yourself what's most important uh, beyond, you know, Ethan, because he's always he's number <laughs> one in our books. <laughs> uh, yes. So, Damien, going back to your notion of control, so we talk about collaboration, but then with control. So that's that's how we're getting the control here. I can issue a pull request. These are some changes I'd like to make. They can get discussed, and maybe my changes are, in fact, awful, and they should not be merged in with the master branch. Then whoever is in control can, can reject that change and say it's got to be better. So there is someone who's looking at all these pull requests, deciding what should or shouldn't go be merged into the master branch, and therefore sanity is maintained. Yeah, yeah. And there's two aspects of that. There's the aspects where every repository now, there's actually all this notion of CI. And, and basically, it's the idea that we'll be able to run a, a lot of um, tests in you know in our own branches before we actually merge them in so meaning we'll be able for example to identify any issue even before they get merged into master so that's the beauty of cis and there's a lot of things we can do around that like uh making sure um you know the data that we if we if we're talking for example about uh documentation we use markdown so markdown is a language so you know you have to follow certain syntax so we could have something that will check that everything is markdown markdown valid before it gets merged in uh, so those all those those checks that are going on on a single repo um, now just to get back to your initial uh, question the thing is what's what's great about git is that this workflow that we discuss which is really Inside a single repository between multiple branches, you have pretty much the same workflow between repositories. Like, meaning, if, uh, for example, there's a, let's say, I want to contribute something to uh, Napalm. So, Napalm, very successful project out there. Everybody loves it in the network industry, started with the, by David Barroso. So, David has this project on, on GitHub. And I don't have access to. Uh, I'm not, and uh, you know, I'm not a maintainer. Like I, I can only see what is in there. I cannot create a branch in Napons because I'm, I'm not part of this project. But what I can do is, I can create my own copy of this project. That's what we call a fork. And then, 
it's basically my own repository and I can start creating my own branches in there. And then what GitHub give me, uh, the ability that GitHub gives me is that I can send a pull request to the Napalm project from my repository to their the, the main repository and say, hey, I created this change for Napalms. Would you like, would you accept to take that into the main project? And then that really, for me, take this distributed system even further because like we can collaborate even with people we never met. Like, you know, um, if uh, if you never met David and, and the, and the Napalm maintainers team, then you can propose your own changes, and but he still has control. And he can still say exactly as you say, like, you know, your your proposal doesn't meet what we want to do with this project. And either he rejects or he can ask you to make some changes and, you know, to a point where he feels good about this change and then he, he merged that in. Like, so today I, I actually checked the other day, there's over 100 people who contributed to Napalm. And I will guess probably don't have more than, you know, three or four people that actually have control on this repo. So more than 100 people actually went through this process to contribute their change, for example, to this project. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because forking has it's come up on this show a few times, uh, or at least within the Packet Pushers network broadly, usually in a negative connotation. Forking a project has had the idea of, I don't want to play with your project anymore. I'm making a copy and going off and doing my own thing because screw you, you know, and there's some bad blood or something like that. But what? But, but that's not actually the intent from what you're saying. That could be the way forking you choose, but actually it's... It's a hierarchical thing. Yeah, you don't have permissions within the um, the project itself to to contribute or make a branch, but you can just make a copy of it via fork, do your thing, and still request within the con uh, the construct of GitHub to have that uh, change merged in. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's. I, I realize now. Actually, I never thought about it. It is very confusing. Because um, for me, a real fork will be if you actually. Uh, change the code uh, and you make your changes and you never propose them back to the project. And you're in a point where yeah. you have your local changes that are only unique to you. And and if you actually make them in the master branch, then you pretty much, at some, it's going to be really hard to actually update your local versions with the updates that are going on on the main project. Like, you're going to fall you know, out of sync if you, if you do a fork. Yeah, if you do a fork, yeah. but make some changes on the master branch, that will make it really hard for you to reintegrate the changes from the other project, and that's a real fork. Now, as you said, GitHub requires you to fork the project, make a, a copy of the repository in order to propose a change to a project where you don't have your permissions on. Mm. Yeah, um, when, so when I followed the the flow for that for some projects that I've tried to collaborate on. It's been create the fork. So now it's in it's under my GitHub account. So the same exact name the repository just appears under my account. And it's I'm now managing this fork. And then the next step is for me to create a branch for whatever I'm trying to do. And then the branch is what actually gets pull as a pull request pushed back to um, the original repository. And then if they like it, and they want to merge it in, that's great. And then I can update my master copy or master branch of my fork with the updates that they make to their master so I can stay in sync with, you know, whatever's going on that, that my changes and other changes that have been incorporated. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and one 
mistakes I think that uh, beginners are doing is when they create this fork, they end up making their change on their master. Mm -hmm. And then they do that and uh, and then they send their proposal, like their PR, uh, their pull request from their own master to the master on the main project. An issue when you do that is if 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 the project actually refuses or change or doesn't want to change, then you get into these situations where your master is kind of corrupted. So it's always better right. if you want to make this change to create your own branch first on your own project, make this change so that at least you you, you keep a clean copy of the master branch from the original project. Because if you want to send another change, another proposal tomorrow, you will always want to have your copy of the master branch that is always the latest. So you will need to pull, we call that, pull the changes from the original master branch into your local master branch you know, on a regular basis to keep up to date with that. And you, you don't want to touch it. You don't want to make your own... Like if you want to make a change, it always has to go through your own branch, your own PR, get merged into the main master, and then you bring it back into your uh, your own uh, copy of the master. I, I kind of feel like we got into talking about collaborating on open source projects as opposed to doing more a more typical infrastructure as code sort of workflow. <laughs> in that I'm guessing for shops that are using Git and, and, and GitHub to manage infrastructure as code, probably we're not dealing with forking very often. We're, I'm assuming we're more often going to be dealing with simply uh, branches, pull requests, and merges. Yeah? You, you just opened the Pandora box. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> there's actually more people that are arguing about should you do a branch on the main project of forking than people that are talking about should you use Git or VI or VIs or MX and, and things like that. Actually, it's, it's very religious. It's like <laughs> never, never have this kind of discussion with your best friends. You, you might, you know, never survive that. Wow. I'm, I'm joking. But alcohol involved? Is it better to have the discussion with booze? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the risk for you, but honestly, it's <laughs> it's a very it's a it's a religious thing. So even at Network to Code, we have different you know ideas, and we got into conversation from time to time. So um, yeah, honestly, you could do both. I've seen both internally. Um, I, I've seen even inside, you know, uh, very private repository organizations that requires that everybody creates their own fork or not. Um, so I I couldn't you know tell you which one is better. I wouldn't take this chance. I don't want to be attacked. Uh, but uh, yeah, both have values. There's pros and cons. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, not taking sides. Be careful with that. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other uh, concepts that came up in the presentation that Ethan and I both uh, took a look at was this idea of a triangular workflow, uh, which appears to be, if I could put it in sort of a nutshell, it's working on your own copy of a project, making the changes, and requesting that those changes are merged back to the original project. So that's kind of what we already touched on was that whole workflow. And a big portion of that is pull requests. And I've seen some different opinions on when you should submit a PR, how far along your code should be. Should you raise an issue first on GitHub before you do the pull request? So in your experience, like when is the best time to create that pull request? And should you create an issue first? Or what, what's the workflow there? So the idea of this triangular workflow is like, we've been talking about GitHub and these workflows where, you know, I want to contribute for Napalm, for example. So let's keep using this one. The idea is that technically, 
I can, like, if I actually create a fork of the Napalm project on GitHub, then I will have, you know, uh, github.com slash digero slash Napalm. Now, technically, I could make my change straight on GitHub. Like, they have a way now to do that, but that's not how it's supposed to be. Like, technically, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to clone the project on my laptop. So GitHub has this um, this button at the, the top right corners where I can clone. And clone meaning I create a local copy of my, my repository on my laptop. And then I have all the files and I, I can open VS Code and I can make all my changes locally and all of that. Now, I cannot send a pull request to the Napon project from my laptop. So when I, I finish my changes, like I, I will technically download, I will clone the project. And from my laptop, I will say I want to create a new branch. And I will make my change on my new branch. And then I will push my new branch to GitHub. And then I will go in GitHub and I will say um, uh, from GitHub, I will, I will send a pull request to the Napon project. We'll start the discussions, you know, they ask me to change things. And, and at some point, uh, my change gets merged. So now if, if you follow the process, it's like on my local system, I have the old version of the master. Now, a lot of changes, including my new changes, went on uh, in the master on, uh, on the main Napalm project. And, and my, my repository on uh, GitHub is also out of sync because I don't have those new changes in master. They only exist in uh, in the official project, and the, the issue is the it's not an issue, but the, the way it works is like I cannot technically update my own project on GitHub uh, from I can fork, but I can I cannot keep updating it automatically. I actually have to somehow create a a, um, a, a kind of symbolic link between my laptop and the official Napan project. That's where it gets. It really helps when you have the visuals, but that's why we have this triangular <laughs> workflow. Because basically, if you if you think of the the official project on the top right and my own fork on the, on the top left, both of them are on GitHub, and then I have my laptop at the bottom. So initially, I, I created this copy on my laptop from my my own project, which is on the top left. I hope you're following. So now <laughs> the idea is that I will create another link between my laptop and the original project. I will usually we call that upstream. And the mm. copy to my personal project, we call that origin. It's kind of—it's not set in stone, but that's how I usually call that. And then from my laptop, I will be able to say, okay, I want to push to pull all those new changes that that have been made in master to update my local copy. And then I will be able to push them to my own personal fork in GitHub. Mm. And that's this triangular workflow because every change will start from my laptop, go into my personal fork, send the PR to the original project. And then from the original project, I pull that into my laptop and I can, you know, have multiple things like that. So there's this triangular workflow going on. I I, I fully understand it's a little bit complicated. Um, well, it, it feels, Damien, like, yes, it is a little bit complicated, but once you've done it a few times and you kind of understand the workflow, then it becomes easier. Trying to take it all in at once. There's too much here to just take it all in at once. You got to take it in chunks, try a few things, begin to see what happens, how the re how what you've done is reflected in the repositories and so on, and then it'll begin to make better sense. Oh, yeah. And and, and the only way I know how to learn is, is to is to practice. Honestly, the, everybody has been struggling at first. It's really one of those technologies that have a, a, a steep uh, learning curve. Like, it, it is hard at first. There's no... But I think the good part is we've all have been there. So, you know... 
I personally am I'm always, you know, trying to help people and and not, you know, um really have a an open door when it comes to any questions on Git because it is hard at first, but once you get it, you get it and, and usually people love it and it really makes sense. So hang in there, practice, practice, <laughs> practice, and, and there's no there's no stupid questions when it comes to uh, to Git and GitHub because uh, we all had those those stupid questions. Uh, right. So one of my stupid questions was about that that pull request uh, versus <laughs> issues. So if, if we could just circle back to that real quick, Do, when is the ideal time for me to submit that pull request to the upstream that I'm trying to to get my change in? Okay, so there's again, there's no golden rules, but. Um, so usually a pull request is always uh, there's always uh, an issue before. Usually that's like the idea is that if you make a pull request, it usually means you're proposing changes to the repository, and the the worst that could happen is if you actually spend a week or a month preparing those changes, and then when you upload your pull request, the maintainers there uh, that tells you like they don't want that, and then you just spend. Mm a month uh, wasting time on something that nobody wants. So right. the, the best practice, and it's true, uh, especially as, as the, your changes are, are get bigger, is like start the conversation first, open an issue. And an issue will be, hey, I would like to make those changes. I thought about it. What do you think? Get the conversation going. And then when, uh, when you have an agreement on how the end goal looks like, then you can start uh, potentially, you know, uh, writing on the code. Um, now, if we are in an enterprise, like let's say you work together, you know, you and I, Ned, and we're actually doing something, I would personally encourage you to start your pull request early and label it as work in progress. So the idea is that if you do that, I know you're working on it and you communicate to the rest of the team you're working on it. And you don't necessarily, uh, so that we know nobody else is going to start working on it, for example. Or at least there is a place where they can can see that. And then up to the points where you feel, you know, uh, it's ready for review. And then you remove this work in progress label and people can start reviewing. Now, if you're in the open source, I, it's probably not uh, the best practice because... Otherwise, you're you're going to end up creating a lot of clutter on the uh, on the main like the the big open source project that have a lot of contributors. They are tracking very closely of those pull requests, and they usually don't want to have you know. Let's say you start today, and life is life, and you get pulled into something else. You never finish this this contribution, so they don't want to have hundreds of pull requests open. So in in open source project is more start the PR, uh, start the issue to start discussion, and then. Open the PR when it's actually ready for review, and, and there's an action yeah. item for the for the team. So slightly uh, different. Okay. Some projects are like for very very small changes. It's okay to open a pull request without having an issue first. Like if it's a very small things, but some projects are actually very religious as well. It's like they will automatically close any pull request that have not been um, that cannot be associated with the previous uh, issue or previous discussion. Right. And it probably benefits to read the contribution guide for whatever project you're working on, because usually they lay out some of those principles about how they feel about issues and PRs and those types of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And usually also the, uh, you know, each project has its own 
way of organizing the codes and like some of them mm -hmm. will require a unit test and some will not. So there, there's a lot of uh, guidelines to follow, you know, uh, that are usually defined in the uh, yeah, contributor, uh, that uh, contributor file, definitely. Mm -hmm. Damien, maybe a good way to close this out is to help people visualize how their life would be if they were using Git and infrastructure as code to make a change happen versus what they usually do. And, and let me generalize a, a what they usually do kind of a process. So there's going to be like a discovery process. You're going to hear about a business need. You're going to get pulled into a conference room and hear about this thing. You're going to look at the existing infrastructure and evaluate it and see what what's out there now that doesn't meet that need. Then you're going to come up with some kind of a change. You're going to define that change, maybe a backout plan, and it's going to it's going to be a bunch of text maybe you'll write. Uh, you'll test it if you can in a lab environment and you're going to collaborate by uh, by submitting probably to like a change control board and uh, have them review your change and then you're going to tweak that change until finally thumbs up, it's approved. And then at the appointed time you're going to execute the change. It's all very manual. Um, um, the collaboration happens in email over meetings, you know, these kind of things. Um, if I'm in more of the Git world and I'm leveraging GitHub to manage my infrastructure as code, how, how does that process look compared to what we've been doing for so long? Yeah, no, actually, you know what? I I, I, went, I was on a, on, a, on a big maintenance windows with one of our customers last week, and we, um, we actually helped them to move to infrastructure as code. So maybe I can use that as an example because it's very fresh in my mind. So mm -hmm. basically, we had these big maintenance windows. We had um, three main changes we wanted to do, and we had a couple of uh, you know bonus changes. So the goal was like if we manage to get through the, the first top three, we will, we will get into the other one. So the main uh, network architect uh, on uh, the, the week before, he actually opened uh, one pull request. He basically created one branch and created one pull request for each one of those major changes. And that, uh, that gave us the opportunity to start uh, reviewing those changes ahead of time. And what so, were those changes? Were they like configuration files for devices or? So in this case, we're, we're using Ansible. So, you know, we have a lot of YAML files to actually define okay. the, the variables of the process. So in this case, we have everything that is defined in Git. So we have all those variable files. We have those templates and all of that. So most of the changes were about, yeah, uh, changing those YAML files to add VLANs here and there, stretch this eVPN, you know, VNIs through multiple sites and, you know, however this, this project is organized. And so um, so we had like four or five pull requests open uh, during the week. And every time you open a pull request, we had a lot of uh, CI going on. For example, we were making sure that everything was valid from a YAML point of view. We're making sure that, you know, a lot of rules that are enforced at the project level to make sure that the quality of the project is good. And then he asked me and one other uh, of our colleagues to review that. So, for example, the first one I review, I actually identified that he, he made a, a copy-paste mistake and we had duplicated IP that were configured on uh, two different devices. Something, so I was able a CI, to, something an automated test might not have picked up on, but a, a human looked at it and caught it. Exactly. Like, mm. you know, in the most advanced environments, they will actually spin up the actual device and maybe they will have been able to cut that. But in our case, we... For this customer, we don't have it yet. So, but yeah, I was able to pick that up. I, I, I mentioned that to him. He fixed that. So we have all this, this review going on. And then when we actually, uh, when came time to the maintenance windows, then, you know, we, we pulled the first one, 
And we, in, in our case, again, some environments, they have solutions where as soon as you merge into master, they have a bot that take your change and deploy it automatically. Again, with this customer, we're not there yet. So we, we actually took the, the first branch and, you know, manually from our laptop, we, we deployed that using Ansible. And then we validated everything was right. Then we merged this change and then we moved to the next one. And, and so on and so on. And then we so, just so, push those so changes one by end, one. That, that is, that change is now living in uh, the master branch. And yes. it, it's now part of the golden image because that happened. Ansible pushed it. Yes. You know it's in there. You know it's done. And now you're ready to look at that other change that's, or the next next change in the series of changes that's sitting out there as a pull request waiting to go. Yes. And what was, was great is that, again, each of those are really, um, um, like, I think actually we didn't had enough time to go through all of those changes. So, you know, a couple of the bonus one, we actually didn't implement them this time. So we'll do it next time. Uh, but, you know, we were able to work like on, on those, those uh, you know, big pieces one by one, making sure everything's fine. And, uh, and if something goes wrong, then it's much easier to actually roll back only half of it instead of rolling everything because, you know, we, we had those checkpoints at uh, multiple stages of those deployment, for example. Does that answer your, your question? Does it help visualize how it, the, the workflow will look well, like? You're using, to me, Git and GitHub end up becoming uh, a replacement or at least an augmentation for certain of the standard processes that we used to do. Well, you know, And it takes away some of the manual aspect of it. It also takes away some of the individual aspect of it where things you used to do on your computer to create a change are now done more or less openly. Everyone can see what's in the, everyone with rights can see what's in the repository in a more straightforward way. There's a lot more structure to it. You're not relying on Bob to make sure he's got his spreadsheets and his text files all in order and it's all going to happen. It's, um, it's an opportunity for everyone to be on the exact same page using the same tooling and not uh, much less cowboy, much less individualism that, um, that really puts an infrastructure at, at risk, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, uh, it's a very good, uh, very good summary. Uh, okay, uh, Damien, we did talk about a lot today. As we said along the way, it's complicated. So for people that want to get introduced to Git, is there a, an intro uh, project or site or something out there that maybe you can recommend? Like there, there's things like this, like for Vim, that are kind of help help get you started, ease you into this complex tool, you know? Yeah, no, there's a lot of uh, video online sites. Actually, I should have prepared, but um, um, I know top of mind, there's definitely um, the folks at the NRE Labs, uh, Matt Oswald and the team that actually, I think, built some great hands-on lab around Git. Uh, I know I've seen some uh, some video from Matt uh, that are very interesting on that. There's a lot of websites, I believe, that help you, uh, you know, through some interactive exercises and all of that. Um of, yeah, and, and video on YouTube. There, there's a, I'll provide some link for the, the, the show notes, but uh, a lot of content out there on, uh, on to help start it with Git. Yeah, any links that you provide, we'll definitely share them in the show notes. That'll be all up at packetpushers.net, along with links to slideshare.net, where Damien's got a couple of presentations that were much of the foundation for our discussion today. Uh, Damien, uh, last question for you. Um, takeaways. If there are any big ideas that you want to leave people with, that if, if they didn't get anything else in this, but there is just a few big thoughts that you want people to remember, what might those be? 
the first one is it's hard to get started, but it's definitely worth it. So, you know, it's it's hang in there, try and practice and, and ask, you know, questions without fear of, you know, feeling stupid because I, we've all been there. And yeah, no, the second one is definitely, it's it's more than code, even if you're not coding. Uh, it is so useful for any form of uh, text files, documentations, variables, you know, even final configuration that even if it's just to, to keep track of them. Um, and I'll leave you with a, a last thought, which is kind of really uh, forward thinking, but it's actually something we've been, uh, we're really passionate about at Network to Code is like, uh, we're looking forward to the days where we can have those kind of tooling to something more than text files. Imagine if you could have something like Git or databases and, and systems, something that are, are really emerging today. There's very, very few systems that exist, but because usually what happens is when you start putting all your infrastructure in Git, at some point you reach these this limitations where text files uh, are not designed to save so much data. And again, just a food for thoughts, uh, probably uh, another discussions, but uh, mm -hmm. I hope we see those kind of technology, you know, um, yeah. in other systems in the future. In other words, Git is a system being able to handle something that isn't simply a text file. Yes. You're getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Got <laughs> it. Damien, how can people follow you on the internet? I'm definitely on LinkedIn, uh, Damien Garros. I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, Dam Garros, D-A-M-G-A-R-R-O-S. And... Um, yeah, and of course in the in the network to code the Slack channel. Got it. And few other actually Slack, I think, uh, as well. Yes, you're you're around. I see you pop up here and there in some of the same Slack groups I am in. There's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there. Well, thank you, Damien, very much for joining us on Day Two Cloud. And uh, virtual high fives to you for tuning in. You're pretty awesome if you made it all the way through this. Hope you learned a lot about Git. I know, I know, I did. I'm going to be sitting with either VS Code or my PyCharm IDE, and I'm going to be just using plain text files, and I'm going to be uh, creating a master branch and merging, doing pull requests and merging things and just watching the whole workflow. That, that is a thing that's going to happen, adding that to my ever-growing <laughs> list of lab activities to do. If you're out there and you've got suggestions for future shows, we, Ned and I, we, we want to know these things. So you can hit either of us up on Twitter at ECBanks or Ned1313. Uh, Ned's got a form if you'd rather be more anonymous, nedinthecloud.com. Uh, and you can get us all of your requests that way for show topics. And if you like engineering-oriented shows like this one, visit packetpushers.net slash subscribe. All of our podcast newsletters and websites are there. we got links through to Spotify, for you on iTunes and RSS feeds if you're a good old RSS fan. It's all nerdy content up there. It's designed for your professional career development. And until then, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans. <laughs>